I'm Kak Loco, she's Rachel McGuire, and this is the Panel Power Podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about failure, when it happens, and it eventually does, how do you rebound and move on? Failure is an option, and it isn't the end of the world, so sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's create something today with the Panel Power Podcast. And today our topic is what, Rachel? Positivity through, um... <laughs> it's when we fail. Oh, you're right. Sorry. It's, it's when we fail. Because this happens from time to time. I know both happens of us... Happens at time. I, like, I, I live on a pile of failure. That's how I got so high up. Okay. Well, it seems like a timely time to uh, discuss this, because both of us are kind of reeling from some large... Uh, we're going to say failures, but also kind of roadblocks in our path to success here with creating comics and teaching comics. And I'm just used to every three years looking for a new career. Oh. It's like my life. Oh, wow. So I think you have a lot to share with us. Uh, we have a lot to learn from you. I just kind of, uh, just, it's like, didn't work out, go do something else. Okay. So we have all run into failures in our lives. Sometimes they're academic, sometimes it's relationships, or at work, as it is with the two of us today. And today we are talking about when we artists have run into it and how to get over it and onward back onto our path to success. Yes. So Rachel, when have you run into failure? Well, before we start, I have to tell you, I think failure is really important. And one thing I'm always telling everyone is that uh, there's a lot to learn through mistakes and embrace them. You don't uh, you don't do anything perfectly the first time. And nope. if you do, chances are you don't know whatever it is you're doing strong enough uh, or thorough enough to really know it 100%. Right. So failure is really important. It shows you what you're weak at, so the next time you do it better. Yeah, it shows your weaknesses. It also shows your strengths. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, which is what I learned with this current project. I was like, wow, I'm really strong on this, and I really need to work on this particular part of my work process. Mm -hmm. So I always take failure as a learning opportunity and just more experience underneath your uh, tool belt of creating comics, I think. I think it weeds out uh, options, which actually sometimes is easier because you can get too many options and then you don't make a decision, but if you have ten things you want and nine maybe eight of them end up being unavailable, it makes that decision to, to take the one you have available and you go down that path. Yeah. Yeah. That's all a little bit odd way of saying it. So do you want me to start about failure? Or yeah. You, like right. what, is, what kind of what things roadblocks have out? you? Yeah. What hasn't? All right. Well, like you said earlier, before we started recording, failure is such a strong word. It is. It's very off-putting. I'm a little bit worried that it's not positive enough for us to be like... I don't know. I, 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 I know. Others. I know when I, something has gone. I'm like, I failed at this, but later on, I've always softened up and went, "That's a really good learning experience. I'll do something else." So, when have you stumbled onto these roadblocks? Okay. Well, first thing is, uh, I wanted to go to RISD. I'm from Massachusetts. RISD was held up as this, like, on the top of the art podium. If you're gonna be a good artist, you gotta go to RISD, and, and I didn't. And RISD is the Rhode Island School, School of, of Art and Design, and there we um, go. in Providence. Did not get in, and you know what? It's way too expensive. I went to Mass Art. I met some great people, and one of the things I learned is I have to do it myself. And yeah. a lot of things, you know, teachers can present you with lessons, but you have to really buckle down and organize your time. Animation majors, you have a lot of work to do. Yes, I had quite a few animation eh, animation. 
Let's try animation that again. Major. Animation majors as friends at Indiana University. And, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of work. They were constantly in the labs working. Well, I remember I'd go into class with my animation, and this isn't what I was going to start on, but this is where the conversation went. Uh, so I'd finish my animation, and they'd go, um, where's the sound? <laughs> and I'd go, I just drew 800 frames in the last week. And, okay, fine, I'll talk to my boyfriend. He's going to Berkeley. He will throw something together. And sure enough, next week, oh, my God, the sound is so great. Mm-hmm. And I'd go, yeah, I really, um, I didn't do that part. Um, thank you for uh, liking who I delegated that part to. Yeah, I was about to say you learned how to delegate tasks. Yes. Yeah, uh, that was, but I don't want to take, you know, credit for someone else's work. But no, but understanding when to say, I don't have time to do this and let somebody else do it, that takes a lot I to do. Yeah, I enjoyed learning about sound, but it wasn't my strength. And, right. And um, I'd work with other people who knew about sound, like you're teaching me about mics. Oh, yeah, uh, how to record and, mic, yeah. yeah. The, the actual oh. mic. So much confusion in the past 24 hours when I am talking about, Rachel needs a new mic. <laughs> and my husband, who is named Mike, would go, Well, I've never! So I'm having to sit there and go, Microphone! Like, Mike with a C. Yeah, Mike with a C. Um, <laughs> yeah. Failure. So, didn't get into RISD, went to MassArt. Um, I wanted to be an RA really bad. It was going to save me money. Didn't get the RA job. Oh. Um, really wanted it. Didn't get it. And then, you know, I've had so many jobs that I've applied for I haven't gotten. Oh, this was a good one. Um, so I worked at Soup2Net's animation on a show called Bird Girl for four years. But, you know, you could always, like, round up to five. So when people ask me, even though it was only you know, four years, nine months, three days, and so many hours, I go, oh, five years. What did you do on board? Character designer, background artist, animator. Okay. Yeah, I was in the design department. Okay. Uh, turnarounds. Uh, sometimes talk loops, but mostly I was turnarounds. Okay. Worked with a great team. Yeah. Um, but I was mostly model sheets. Okay. For a while. Yeah, so I left Word Girl. Word Girl. And I was looking for a job. And there's a, another studio in Boston that was called, that did Pop Tropica, which a lot of the younger audience will go, oh my god, I love Pop Tropica. Yeah, I'm looking at you like, what? Yeah, the one with the no fingers. They're going to have fingers in the update, guys. So, a uh, little hint about where this conversation's going. I did not get their job as a designer, and I was like, they told me I didn't have enough experience. And the guy who interviewed me went to MassArt a few years ahead of me, and so when I was like, James, I totally have heard of you, because I came... <laughs> Behind you. I totally have heard of you, dude. We're from the same college. I can totally make your ads. I can make ads in my sleep. I did backgrounds for You do girl. fabulous ad work. I I had done ads for backgrounds, and I was really good in vectors because I'd spent the last five years working in Flash, which is really similar to Illustrator, and I really want to work on my Illustrator. And they're like, you don't have enough experience. And I'm like, but. And what, it, what, he, what he's really saying was, Maybe my uh, my typography skills weren't good enough. Uh, but later on, I ended up doing Galactic Hot Dogs with that team. So Okay. And I ended up getting to do ads whenever... Actually, this is great. They're like, hey, Rachel, we don't have any Galactic Hot Dogs work. Do you want to do some ads? And I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting to do ads for you guys for years. Um, so a lot of my things are, when I didn't get the Pop Tropica job, I ended up working at an auction house um, out in the middle of the state. And dude, I would like take photos of, like, the samurai outfits, and, like, those art shows, those auctions are awesome. There's, like, the coolest stuff. And so I spent nine months looking at cool stuff and working on my photography skills. Nice. Looking for other work. So, generally, I just try really hard to not get upset 
and have a thick skin about stuff because same thing with like critiques you're always gonna people are not gonna like your art and you're just gonna not let it bother you oh yes hit the ground running and just realize things are flexible like things are gonna go wrong and if it can go wrong it will so you overcame not getting into what was it pop tropica pop tropica yeah by finding another job and eventually kind of going back around and working with the group anyway with the galactic hot dogs. I think I worked with the guy who took that job, actually. Oh, okay. I'm not really sure about the timetable, but... No, it just was an opportunity. And it, the thing that, about this job was I thought I had it, because I did the three tests. Yeah. And The art tests? Mm-hmm. Um, art tests are such a pain in the butt. I've done a couple at this point. Sometimes I get the art test, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. And so, so to explain to all of us, including myself, what is an art test? What are you expected to know? And how are they done? Um, each studio is different. I okay. actually got to build them for Galactic Hot Dogs when we were looking for contractors. Okay. So... What they do is they make a test generally with existing um, stuff from the animation or the model sheets or the scripts, and they make like a little a mini run through, say okay. giving you some a couple of assets and some directions to see if you can draw on style, how quickly you work, and how you work with if you have loose storyboards, what you make of it. Okay. And animation in particular, if you have loose storyboards, sometimes you know you won't get good results. Um, or anything. You just want to see, kind of give a test run. Mm-hmm. And usually they're unpaid. They always take longer than you'd think because you're unfamiliar with the style. Yeah. Um, but if you're a really strong artist, you could do those pretty quickly. Um, for your soup, I was given three or four different tests of soup snacks animation. And I actually had never done a model sheet before because even though I had a degree in animation, it wasn't character based enough. Mm-hmm. And I did the background one because I wanted to be the background artist and I ran out of time. And I got the character design job and they taught me how to do model sheets. Um, I was very lucky. And I and the one for Pop Tropica, I had three tests and didn't get the job. And I was really upset because um, I had done the tests while I was moving. And so I thought I was like, I felt awesome. I did tests, I was moving, got everything done, thought things were going to like go into line. I didn't get it. But wow. Yeah, yeah you got to like not let stuff bother you. Yeah. Wow, man. I would feel... So... At the time, what did you feel? What was what were you what was going through your head? Well, calling back and being like, "Hey, so I haven't heard back from you in two days." Oh yeah, we, we gave the job to someone else. I was like, "Oh," but I had actually had to you know take the initiative to call him back to see what was up because he would have just probably given me silence. Um, no, but you always feel kind of bad. I mean, you feel bad when you lose a job. You feel yeah. bad losing a job horrible like well the thing is is back then one thing i didn't really understand was the separating myself from my art oh, <laughs> i'm a good person even if this art i made isn't great right which kind of goes into art critique later on yeah but uh it felt a little it was hard also i really needed money for my mortgage yeah money to live that's pretty important yeah but it's okay i i was um Soon after that, I started uh, started teaching, too. Yeah. And then just more recently, your time with Galactic Hot Dogs has just ended, and you've gone into your master's... Well, it's more of a ADP license. It's like a post-baccalaureate uh, licensure program. Yeah. So I already have my preliminary license in Massachusetts because yeah. I passed these tests called the MTELs. Right. Um, that was a fun weekend. I remember I read a book, 600 pages on grammar, and then I 
I passed the grammar test. Oh, wow. Congratulations. For, like, for a week, and it was awesome, because it was actually the week where I was doing the copy edits on the book, and I got, I totally understood them. Oh. Yeah. That was okay. fun. Sometimes you work on these projects, and you learn about stuff, and you're like, oh, I never thought I'd learn about copy editors' proofreading marks. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes just to work past that roadblock, you have to go in a different direction, which is something I know really well. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, if you haven't listened, dear listener, our first episode is our introductions, and we talk about our background. And for a really, really short background on me, I actually am trained as a translator, both uh, open source with books and also a verbal or translator So with Japanese linguistics. So that's my training. I am supposed to work in the UN as a translator between Japan and America. And... Uh, I trained for 10 years to do that, if you can imagine, from high school all the way through college, and uh, so nine years or so. Lived abroad, lived in Japan, did all of that. Get back to the United States, graduate, and then discover that every single job that I could potentially have no longer exists because of the great recession that we had. So what is a girl to do when you find that the job that you've trained for, for most of your life doesn't exist. Well, I fell back on my hobby, which was drawing comic books. So it's not nearly as lucrative as being a translator, but I find it to be more fulfilling and I can live wherever I want. I don't have to be stuck in DC or New York or Tokyo and never see the light of day. Because if you are a translator for the government, you basically am always in buildings and you're always around people and I've discovered that I'm kind of a hermit that likes to work by myself with my dogs. <laughs> so No, in between projects yeah. I've fallen back on comics projects too, helping people out yep. and um, getting other people up to deadline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and now I own my own studio basically and I publish my self publish all of my own series, which is close on like oh, five five different comic book series that I've written and illustrated myself. So yeah, that's sometimes you have to do that. And then um, just recently, I have not made it into one convention that I've applied to. Oh, which one? Oh, let's see. The Toronto Comic Arts Festival. Did you get into TCAF? No, I failed. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, mice, I got waitlisted on. Everyone got waitlisted. It oh. was, it was, okay, everyone who doesn't know this, um, I help organize uh, workshops for Mice, which yes. is the Massachusetts Independent Comics Expo here in Boston. It's a wonderful expo. I've been oh there God. two years. We try so hard to have a platform for a lot of people and to give them the confidence and the space to get better. Yeah. Um, I'm not probably the one to say what the mission statement is, and that's yeah. my personal take on what yeah. we do there. And yeah. I love it. I think yeah. it's the greatest group of people, greatest yeah. group of volunteers. Yeah. But, um, also, we, don't write your hate mail to us if you also didn't get into mice, because we can do nothing about it. Oh, no, but please feel like if you need to vocalize, like, volunteer. Oh, my gosh. If you didn't get a spot, get involved. People always need help, and then you get to see behind the scenes and... Without question, you find yeah. out, oh, this is about failure. If yeah. you don't get in, you find some other way to help out. I, I've, I've not gotten into conventions before. Yeah. And Usually working on the staff is a good way of getting to know everyone. And, and it doesn't have to be it. just mice. It could be any comic book convention around you. SPX, the Small Press Expo, no one ever gets into that. That's in that. Maryland? That's yeah, in that's in Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland. It's fantastic to it go is. to as well. And I went there as a normal attendee. 
last year as well as you did. Did I see you? Yeah, we we tried to go together and we ended up our schedules d- did not mix. Oh, and that year, yeah. That was that year where we kept being like boats in the night, just constantly passing each other. Cartoon Crossroads Columbus CXC. I also got waitlisted on that one, so I won't say it's a failure. They're just getting really popular. They are very popular. They really exploded, and we we are living in a time where there's a lot of um, opportunity for independent voices, and there's a lot of online printing and digital tools that make it more accessible to create. Yeah, yeah the gateway is a lot more accessible Wider. now. Um, now, I will note that all the comic conventions that I just said are juried artist alleys being that sometimes they're a little bit lottery yeah yeah spx is a lottery but you have people reviewing your portfolios and that's an episode we need to talk about is how to build a strong portfolio for conventions and making sure you have job presence yeah like they looked you up on the web and stuff yeah and uh yeah so unlike let's say wizard world or rhode island comic con or any of those large what i call american yeah the the american feeling yeah, because there are more to American comics than Marvel and DC, Rachel. You're forgetting about Image. You're forgetting about Dark Horse. Is it Dark Horse like a subset of one of them? No. Who's Dark Horse owned by? Dark Horse. They're Is themselves. It? Yeah. No. Um, I need. I need like a history. There, there's Oni Press, which is more yeah. a little bit straddles that indie and uh, more uh, corporate. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there's more. There's more no, than Marvel like, and DC, which is fun. Tidy. Oh, it depends. Have you read Squirrel Girl? <sighs> yes, we had her at my. She did a. Uh, did you get to meet her when she no. did the? I uh, never left my table. She was right in pee. front of you when she was at the artist table. I think we got her to do a drawing time. That doesn't mean I got to leave. There was. We just had to look up and see her. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, Squirrel Girl she, Marvel series. She's awesome. Marvel series does not look anything like, uh, let's say, Thor. But just getting over the hiccups of just not being able to go to these conventions, it's it's hard because I make money going to conventions and selling artwork, but I also like, I enjoy speaking to fellow artists, budding artists, and just talking about shop because i work by myself in this studio it's very isolating it's very isolating so i enjoy going to conventions and uh yeah it's, it's just a little bit of a bummer when you don't get in yeah. you're just like oh man and there's always next year yeah. so i sit back i look at stuff i look at what my web presence was what i can do better with my portfolio and in this case they wanted to see more uh, printed comic books. Every single convention has been like, we want to oh. see more printed. Yeah. Because I work almost exclusively digitally mm-hmm. because my readers are all online webtoon. Mm-hmm. I have this international reader base, but I don't keep a lot of prints on me because I only can do local convention scenes. So it's an interesting balance that you have to maintain. They also like to see, um, you know, people are always doing the the convention circuit, maybe you have one book. They also like to see that every year you come up with like a new book. And yeah, this is- that was something I found really funny. Every single one of them was like, and what kind of book do you have to debut at our convention? And I'm like, I cannot debut four comic series in one year. Every year, guys. One comic book series. It's, comic book conventions are getting more popular, which is good. But, you know, as they get more popular, the problem is this limited seating. A lot of these conventions, they do not have necessarily a juried artist alley, though I believe OhioCon does. But you have to submit your artwork, but you only have, like, 
between 12.01 and 12.05, one particular day, and it's just a mad dash to get those tables. And I will be honest, I have never successfully gotten a table at any of those conventions except for OhioCon. Um, that's like how we had to get our classes in college. I know, it's exactly like that. And that's how these conventions do operate. They're Artist Alley. Now, a lot of them are going more to the curated Artist Alleys like OhioCon, where you still submit within a two-week period, and they'll look through everyone. And I will note this. One reason why I think I got waitlisted on so many events is because my I have a very manga-inspired style, and yeah. they may have had other artists who also have manga-inspired styles, and when you're curating an artist's alley, they only want to make sure you have so many manga-inspired styles. Yeah, they want diversity, which I have no problem with. I understand that. But I was really upset until another artist mentioned this to me, and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense from a marketing point of view. Yeah, you do. Even though your voice is definitely... You know, it's very independent, and it's really taken on. It's really moved into the direction of being farther and farther from where your inspiration was. <laughs> I have no idea where my art style is right no, now. It's cool. orbiting the moon right now. But it, um, it definitely still has a twang of, I love manga. Yes, because I do. And I'm never going to let that go. And one of the things I desperately want to do is become a more of a ambassador of manga and Western comics in Japan. That's what the entire point of the International Manga Award is. So it, I definitely have feet in both worlds. Yeah. Anything that I wish I'd done differently, besides wishing, sometimes I wish I had gone to art school. I play with that. It's funny, I wish I didn't go to art school and I yeah. wish I had invested in Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah. I wish I invested in the stock market more wisely. Um, yeah, it's how do I, oh, and how do I overcome just failing at conventions? It's a part of the job. It, it quickly, you realize once it's happened, you're just like, okay, oh, well. And this year, 2017, I applied to eight different conventions and I only got into one. And that's, that's going to be the only showing that I'm going to do. But you find ways to broaden your horizons uh, in different ways, such as uh, I was part of the chalkboard drawing contest mm -hmm. here in East Greenwich, and yeah, it's, uh, I had never done chalkboard painting, really. That's what I ended up doing before, and it was really fun. So I also won first place, which greatly improves the experience, but uh yeah, it was fun being able to work on a completely different medium with a completely different medium because I'm always working on a computer with my stylus and I got to work on a street with a bunch of chalk. Also, you're making yourself draw in public, which is something that's good to... That's also good, yeah. ...force on yourself. So, yeah. Now on to criticism. Criticism such as constructive criticism and how to take it. Now, did you ever have to take a class on how to receive criticism on no. your artwork? Honestly, when I went to art school, I left art school being like, I don't know why they gave me a degree. <laughs> okay. I had this weak portfolio that I, I, yeah, I 
went into framing because I didn't, and I just started doing um, art shows and yeah. I sold off every painting that I could to pay my bills. Right. And um, a lot of people were like, Rachel, you just sold all your paintings for about $25 each. And I'm like, and guess who paid their student loans this month? Yeah. Um, and th then when I was moving, I had less stuff to move. Uh, no. I mean, I, I bet other people will say, Rachel, you're forgetting such and such happened. Yeah. But we would go into class and it became, all right, this is how class would go. Classes were like four hours long. Right. You'd go in, you tack your art up. Everyone is like drinking coffee because they haven't slept because they spent all night making their <laughs> art. Yeah. And it was about who can sling the most amount of words in such a way to make their crappy art sound really powerful. Yeah, yeah. They'd be like, you take two mirrors and you'd be like, put them up next to each other. So they face each other and be like, my work is about the continuum because you can look and it goes forever in each direction. And I'd be like, oh my God, like, <laughs> just breathe. And then the next person would have a blank piece of paper up and they'd be like, this is about silence. Oh. And I'd be like, I am here to learn how to draw anatomy. And, um, <laughs> Then, but this is actually my solution to that was I signed up to be the drawing monitor. So every week I had to open up for the monitor, and I got paid seventy five dollars a semester, and yeah. I had to draw. So you find a solution because you're like yeah. I'm not getting what I need. But so maybe there was something about criticism, and I was just too tired to remember it. Uh, that could um, be. But it turned into me being like, I now know how to use the word eclectic, um, um, aesthetic, yes. great juxtaposition. Now if you contrast. can spell those, even better. Uh, <laughs> Right uh, yeah, right. Uh, you're like, oh, uh, I know there's a silent E in there. <laughs> and anyway. an X. No. So my art, my, my art criticisms turned into using big words to make my art sound good. And then... That um, explains so many artists I've run into in my life now. I was just like, why are you pulling these words out? Just say you used grape juice on this sheet and you posted it onto canvas. Just tell me that. It's just... They're like, no, I decided to use an organic vintage uh, paint that I created myself and... Yeah, now that explains so much. Because I used to show art as well at a gallery, and I'm just like, yeah, okay. But then again, each major was very different. I was That's in illustration uh, for a lot of my classes. I was a dual major. So I liked animation. Animation was a little bit more laid back, and mm -hmm. a lot of video game playing hard workers that were really awesome. Yeah. Um, a lot of people look back fondly, and they're like, oh my god, I loved mass art. I was a little bit, after I left, I'm like, Where's my job? Oh. So I worked in framing and uh, worked in framing. Learned how to frame my stuff, and then I probably framed all my stuff and sold it. Uh, oh, I got it. really good at finding frames on the side of the road and fixing them up, and um, which really helped when I worked in auction houses. And it's really helped when I do art shows with my kids and I show them how to map their artwork. Yeah, because I know how to make a package. That package being the frame, the glass, the art, the yeah. backing board, and yeah. how to like use a stapler. Uh, I'm just going to say, I never took classes on criticism. Mine is all street smarts that I've learned on the road. <laughs> and my number one thing is, if somebody comes up... Now, I will say, some people can be complete horrible people when they're trying to talk about your art. But if somebody is trying to give you constructive criticism, which means they're trying to give you suggestions to improve your artwork because they see something in you and want to grow that potential. 
It isn't, they're not trying to be mean. They're trying to grow your potential. You can't be stubborn about it. I don't know how many people, and it doesn't matter what age they are, I, they bring me their sketchbooks at conventions or at drink and draws or events, and they're like, how do you like my artwork? And I'll sit there and say, well, it's a little bit static in some cases. Like, they don't have any dynamic poses going on. Mm-hmm. And I suggest a few poses. And I, that's when I say, hey, how do you have any interest in getting into drawing the figure? Or yeah, where exactly. you can to develop that? Yeah. I'm but you not, have to be really gentle sometimes. Yeah, you have to be gentle when you're giving criticism, especially um, if you, it's somebody you don't know well. Have I told you the sandwich? No, you have not told me about the okay. sandwich. So I teach, and I run into a lot of kids that sometimes don't have a lot of confidence yet, or they have too much. Um, I love my kids. Love my kids. Um, so um, this is called sandwich. It's called compliment sandwich. If I have, I got two brands of compliments on both sides for some meat in the middle. Okay. So let's say, cat, uh, I'm trying to get you maybe to draw a little bit more backgrounds and maybe right. use more colors than black and red. Right. And I'll be like... That's not very angry. <laughs> high school. High school yeah. art. Yeah. Um, no backgrounds, no hands. And so I'll be like, cat. I really like your line work and your use of um, spot color. Yeah. Um, So have you thought about maybe having your characters not have their hands behind the backs? Ah. Uh, I got some ideas, and this is really nice paper, and I'm so happy you have a sketchbook that you're using it. It really shows that you're you're really taking care of your pages. And then they, they feel better, but sometimes it's just the open face sandwich, and I go, yeah, nice paper, they work on hands. Yeah, I guess it really depends on who you're talking to. So you and how well you know them. But you gotta be sensitive to the fact that they're um, they're gonna take it personally. Yeah. And <laughs> you can't be like Gordon Ramsay and just spur whatever. Sometimes I wish people. No one. When I was a kid, I didn't. I didn't. You know, interact with enough people to get what I should have heard earlier on. And I wish I had had somebody come in and be like, "Hey, this is really great. Just keep going at it." Um, and instead I went on this path to art school thinking, I always thought I would do book covers because that's what I was exposed to. You know, I'd like, oh my God, the new Robert Jordan book's out and there's that cover. Oh my God, the new Ted Williams book's out and there's, there's a Michael Whalen cover and it's amazing. Um, he was my favorite uh, artist uh, along with the Japanese dude, uh, Ishitaka Amano, who did the character designs for Final Fantasy. Yeah, and I have a few art books of his upstairs. Oh God. They, they sell actually pretty well. I sold most of mine off after college. They're so pretty. They're but anyway, pretty. continue. Yeah. But I thought I'd do book covers because that's what I thought. And um, I didn't even really think I could do comics. Same thing, like, I never thought I could be an animator. Like, that's too, the aspirations are too, it's too far up there. Mm-hmm. Like, how does one do that? That's right. what rich kids get to do. <laughs> I, same thing like a archaeologist. I could never be an archaeologist. That's what rich kids get to do. Um, as a child, I had this feeling of, uh, okay. I, you know, maybe I could have like a, I don't know, maybe I can work in a frame shop, you know? Oh, okay. It was like low expectations and I should have, people should have really been like, no, Rachel. Right. It's a lot wow. better to shoot for the, shoot for everything and it's okay if you fail. But I was afraid of, I was afraid of making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a big thing I think is people, especially artists, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Gosh, no. Because that is how you learn. Get better. I mean, goodness, and also understand that your own art style will evolve naturally through without. those mistakes. Yeah. And uh, I, one of the things I keep meaning to do is for Throwback Thursdays, 
finding my old, because I found so much of my old artwork, and tweeting and showing on Instagram, this is how I used to illustrate. There's actually an illustrator, and I think it's Lewish, is how she it's pronounced. It's L-O-U-I-S-H. Lewish, I think is how it... But what she does, she's a wonderful digital painter. And what she does is that... What does she work on? Her own stuff. She's just an illustrator. Um, not comics, but illustrating. And I believe it's a she. Because I've never actually looked... I, the way the pronouns were, I, I believe it's a she. But at any rate, Lewish, what they'll do is uh, take pictures that she drew a long time ago when she was learning how to draw illustrations and then come redo it now in her own style and you can just see the very different like the evolution of her artwork and it's fantastic i've been meaning to do something similar just so you can see just how well you've improved in so many years mm. yeah so so someday you're going to be taking the drawings you're doing today and, and i'll do it again yeah i'll do that no, but it's actually nice to think that you're kind of on a journey and like every illustration you make, you might be really proud of it and you're like, oh, I like this, but it's okay to find mistakes in your drawings. Do you know yeah. how, I mean, everyone's drawn the thumb on the wrong side of an image at some point. <laughs> I did that last night. Did you really? Like, everyone's <laughs> done it at least once. It's, it's okay. It's, yeah, everyone does it. It's okay when you're doing it on, like, I work digitally, so I could, could easily control Z that thing away. Yeah. But um, what's fun is when I find it just as a simple mistake on advertisements, and it doesn't have to be illustration advertisements. It could be other media. And I'm just like, yeah, it's a, it's a mistake that happens, and editors will often forget about it yeah. or, like, completely not see it. But, yeah, thumb on wrong side. Yep. I think I had one of those in Galactic Hot Dogs, book one. Yeah, just when you find it, just giggle and let it slide. Sure had um, inconsistencies. Like on Galactic Hot Dogs, I had like a list of whenever I noticed things started being inconsistent um, so I could catch stuff, but we had a copy editor at the end who caught so much stuff and really particular stuff. Like I now understand the difference between an M an N and a regular dash. Oh. Yeah. And I know I've goofed up so many times in posting Jinxed, uh, especially up onto Line Webtoon. And I will say my readers will find stuff. If they see a spelling error that I missed, or a grammar error that I missed, or in one case, the pages were flipped, because <laughs> I update with multiple pages once a week. Yeah. And I love it. One of the comments was, Dear Creator, or was it, yeah, Dear Creator, I am writing to inform you that your pages are flipped on this particular update. Yeah. It was the com first comment on the, on that particular update. I had gone three days before noticing it. <laughs> but I fixed it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so in my case, my readers are the ones that point out when I've made a mistake. It's embarrassing, but you get over it. It's just part of the job. Fix it and move on. Yeah. Sometimes it's annoying to fix things multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Eventually you just want a table flip and you're like, what did I well, do right? Actually, but what you do is you get better at doing that last review. So now before I send things off, I do like I do, I do do like a run through um, until I've read it three times and I don't find a mistake. And yeah. sometimes that starts to get really arduous, but you just start getting a little bit more careful where you need to be. Okay. 
one of the things you wanted to touch upon is learning to say no. Oh, yes. You have so much time in each day. Yes. And you have to not overcommit. And it is okay to say no. Yes. And it is very important to say no, especially because when you first get started, you want opportunities to put things on your resume. And sometimes you're running a very, like a little, little, an interesting balance between doing things for free and doing things to get your portfolio or your resume to have content. Mm -hmm. And you only have so much time during the day. And you also have to be true to other obligations in your life, um, your job, um, your family, your bills, your health, and not mortgaging your health is very important because early on, you think nothing of doing an all-nighter and having a cramped arm, right. but 10 years down the road, you're like, oh my gosh, I now have carpal tunnel, and yes. I really, or, or I tore my shoulder, or yes. um, you start finding, oh, I have back pain, and you know what, making those decisions early on to commit to things that you really want to be uh, a part of, mm -hmm. and learning how to say no, and I still have a hard time with it, especially when I know I want to be a part of projects, um, but really important to say no and I could take not feeling bad about it yes so that leads directly to what happened with my international manga award submission did you finish I did not finish King of the Mountain that's okay it's gonna be awesome I'll it's going you. to be I'll fantastic no, it's not, well it's not gonna be colored no, no, no. Okay. in black and white Never but yeah, thank you for the offer <laughs> um, <laughs> but no what happened is I had originally the story was only supposed to be 20 pages yeah and quickly it evolved to 40 pages. Yeah. And I realized after day three of doing the inking uh, of the pages, I was not going to get them done in enough time for me to package it and send it to physically Japan physically. Because it has to be physically at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs on June 17th. Oh, God. And I was like, that's not going to happen of yeah. this year. June, yeah. actually June 16th of this year. And I'm like, this is not going to happen. So I'm submitting a different art. I'm submit, submitting Spiritus Maximus, okay. which I did last October. Yeah. It's not, in my personal opinion, it's not the best example of my artwork, but at least I'm participating. Yeah. And what will I'll do, I'm not throwing King of the Mountain away. Yeah. It's going on to Comixology. I'll make a print run of it, and I'll submit it next year. Yeah. And that was it. That It was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to augment my plans a little bit. But man, was I just, just, just desperately depressed for the past two days. Well, it's funny. It's like you feel like you failed yourself, or you feel like the yeah. ground has fallen out from behind you. Yeah. And you're like, but you told all these people you were working on it, and they, they expect me to be true to what I were. Yeah. It turns into... Your, yourself and yeah. your own commitment and your own time management skills. Yeah. But projects like this evolve and yeah. they get bigger. And actually, when I started working on like organizing projects, what I learned was um, there's a name for it, like project creep or deadline creep. There's a word for any project is um, deadline creep. There's a word for when your project keeps expanding yeah. because it's a, it happens all over the place. And whenever you're project planning, always budget 25 more percent time than what your, your plan is because no matter what, it's going to creep up because things are going to come out of like You're going to have days you're sick. You're going to have days things go wrong. Do you know how many times... Like, I've lost files because my computer's crashed. Yeah. I used to work in animation, and Flash is notorious for yeah. crashing. And I'm a little bit sporadic. When I work, I work too fast. And I have a habit of crashing any program imaginable. Like, I'm really good at it. 
but I have a file name system, which is with my versions, that is like, I know when to save, and I go up a version number, so when I have my crashes, I have, okay, I only lost 45 minutes. Okay. But time management and learning um, is part of that learning to say no, yeah. because if you know your time, you know when you're overcommitted, and then you won't be stressed out, and you need to not... Comics yeah. shouldn't stress people out. Yeah. Because it's going to take a lot of time, and you shouldn't Do. feel bad that you don't work fast enough. Yeah. Delegate or lower expectations to what is manageable. Yeah. Now, I will say it's very handy knowing that add 25% of the time, because mm -hmm. I've never done that. Oh, but it will save your butt. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll do it from now on. But tons of apps. Of, like, I like Trello, because it's free. Yeah. Um, I use Trello a lot for breaking things down visually and moving them into... But you'll find a system of how you think and mm -hmm. how you think of... Uh, to organize your time. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps up our episode talking about failure, roadblocks, and how to overcome them. So, I think it was a good talk. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about laugh. Laugh at everything. Later yeah, on, we'll laugh. a funny I story. Think, yeah, I think we got that. I hope that came across. Good. If it didn't, we're saying it directly. Laugh. Yes. And uh, to our listeners, you should be able to write to us at... Uh, panelpowerpodcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or suggestions for the show if you have any topic suggestions you would like Rachel or I to talk about please let us know and eventually we will get more social media up so you'll be able to contact us in other ways but for right now it's panelpowerpodcast at gmail.com This is Kat, and for Rachel, thank you for listening to the Panel Power Podcast. Our theme song is Superheroes by Brownstone Megaphone. That song, plus our insert music, is used through the Creative Commons license. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>